Our message for this Christmas morning is inspired by John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. Uh, we'll consider that beautiful gift of God, which always lasts, and how we, by God's grace, can make it last. Yes, Jesus' presence, the goodness of God is love throughout every day of the coming year. Uh, let's begin with prayer. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. As we opened the service and as we spoke to the children that graciously came up and visited with us, Christmas is so exciting. And Christmas is exciting not just for young people, but I think too as a 45-year-old man, I still get excited nearly like I did when I was younger, and in other ways, even more so, for this very day. And I think we're not alone. I mean, look at all the preparations we have, we've done so far for this day, preparations that, yes, can drive us crazy, but all the days that we're waiting to be right here, right now, and with our family to celebrate what it is that we're celebrating. And so, wouldn't it be great to make that joy last in the days ahead? Well, that's really what we'll be tackling. How do you make Christmas truly last? To answer that question, we really need to visit a little bit on what truly the essence, the joy of Christmas is. As we saw from our uh, children that came forward, a lot of the, the excitement, and maybe you recall this when you were younger, was getting all those presents under the tree. Is Christmas really in the excitement that comes is it really about the presents? I remember as a, a young child, I struggled with that. I remember my mom and dad telling me, especially when we had just come to faith, it was second, third grade, before you can open the presents on Christmas morning, you got to go to church first, okay, right? Because we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And I'm like, okay, mom, dad, I'm on board. The main thing, the main thing, Jesus, right? But do you remember the experience if, if you had the tradition where you'd open presents after church? The whole time during that service, I was like, when is the pastor going to be done? I, wanna, I just want to go home and open the presents. And I had a great pastor. He was, he was very much engaging with his messages growing up. But I still, and I felt bad. So I'd get home and I'd be like, okay, maybe I don't deserve these presents because I wasn't focused on the greatest present of all. And it was always like, do you love Jesus or do you love presents? I have good news for you. <laughs> Especially children, if, if you feel torn between, like, when is Pastor Bill going to be done? And when can we get home and, and open those gifts? Praise God, if you have some gifts to open, and you still have some open yet, or to open today yet, I, the reason why you and I have such gifts, it is because God gave the greatest gift of all, His Son, and God is a generous giver. Not only does he give his son, but because Christ makes us good with God, God our Father has decided to give us every good and perfect gift. And so it really isn't about, oh, is it presents or Jesus? It's no, it's Jesus, and now look at all these presents too. And, and maybe I can encourage us this way. That excitement, that joy that we experience, maybe it's been some years I can't help but think that's a foretaste of what it will be like when you see God in heaven, when you see Christ. 
It'll be greater than all those presents under a tree when you were five. That's what's coming for us because of Christmas Day. And yet, we recognize Christmas Day as it was beautifully proclaimed. It isn't about the gifts. It's about, it's about Christ, isn't it? And yet, do, do we always remember that, of course? Not, and I think as we get older, yeah, it's less about the gifts. And it's probably more about the loved ones. More about the family, and that was beautifully shared too, about getting together with family. But I think so many times, if you're, if you're like me, we, we put too much on being together with family. I, I think maybe that's pronounced too when, when the family can't get together, or maybe not everyone's healthy, or, or maybe when no one's around. You know, is Christmas about getting together with family? If so, what a sad day for so many that can't be with loved ones, whether because of the weather or because you just can't be with them anymore. That's why I think it's so important to remember what we're celebrating today as central. You're not alone. No, not in Christ, not on, on Christmas, not when he's always central. God is with you. And, and when we get to heaven, you know what we long for as far as, as family, everything that we long for and maybe didn't experience in this life, when we get there, all of those dreams, all those desires to truly behold, to be with all our loved ones, the family of God, that will be experienced. Just like a child desires to see all those gifts under the tree, and, and that's just like seeing Jesus, so too, being with Jesus, even if it were just him alone, there's all the family we need. And so truly Christmas is about, it's about Christ. From him, every good and perfect gift comes. And the greatest of gifts is reconciliation with God. Of course, you know the story. We celebrate Christ at Christmas because he alone could accomplish the forgiveness of sins that you, you and I, the whole world needed. As God's eternal son, he was of infinite value, able to be of more value than the whole world and every person that's ever been, and by his perfect life in your place and mine, he was able to gift you with perfection so that you can always be right with God, even on those days when you feel nothing is right. Paying for all our sins and then rising triumphant from the grave, Jesus shows us our future. He shows us that Christmas will never end. One day, and actually, he even gives us a view that it can last even now. Again, even if we're without family or, or without gifts or whatever else. And, and so I want to revisit a little bit of, of what it means that Christ, when he came in flesh and blood 2,000 years ago, that monumental moment of how that's truly what we crave in the heart of hearts. Uh, revisit with me. Could, could you imagine being shepherds in the fields, as you are keeping watch over your flocks by night, you're, you're thinking of Luke 2, right? And all of a sudden, the angels appeared, 
And they delivered that message that the prophets longed to see fulfilled. They, they delivered that message that Adam and Eve and all of fallen humanity longs to hear and to see. He said, to you this day, in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ. He's the Lord. Go and see. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and, and lying in the manger, God's son in flesh and blood. Could you imagine being one of those shepherds on the fields? Oh, how you would have run like you've never run before. And then getting there, it, it's true. The, the words, they're fulfilled. The words that the angels proclaim, there he is in the strange place, a baby in a feeding trough for animals. And that's God's son. And he came for me to give me all that I long for and all that I don't have, and even so much more, that's that child. I, are, are, you, are you like me? Would you have, if you could have been one of those shepherds, would you have just laid down by that manger and said, hey, Mary and Joseph, you, you got another family member. I'm not, I'm not leaving. No, I'm staying. I'm staying here with this child. Where he goes, I go. And honestly, why wouldn't we have that feeling? If you're in the presence of God, why would you ever want to leave that? Of course, you know the story as it would go on that Jesus didn't stay in that manger. Eventually, it seems like they got a house to stay in in Bethlehem. And then some wise men came from the east. But then after that, this madman, Herod, this king, wanted to kill that child. And so he dispatched soldiers to go and slaughter all the young boys to and under in that town. But God, by revelation, encouraged Joseph to take the child, and they fled into Egypt. And he was a refugee there for a little while. I suppose if you were a shepherd, that, that's where that relationship would have ended. Because are you going to go to a foreign land? Well, maybe. Maybe if you did and, and you stayed with Jesus, you would know that the rest of his life, he was he's raised in a little town of Nazareth, no-name town, Became a carpenter, it seems, for a little while, but then a preacher for three years. And he taught like no one else has ever taught. He must be from God. He revealed the nature of the Father, that, that your relationship with God isn't based on anything you do. It's based on his love alone, grace, which covers over a multitude of sins, so that you might always have God in your life and know he's for you. That's what Jesus taught. That's, that's the embodiment of God's love right there, flesh and blood. And you know the story. After three years, they this, this darkened world crucified him and our sins too. But that was all part of God's plan. And three days later, he rose from the grave because perfect love conquers death. And Jesus is love incarnate. God is love. And, and with that... Jesus showed our future, and he had to convince his disciples for 40 days he was with them. He witnessed to them, I'm really alive. Touch my wounds. And blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. And then he ascended. And now we don't see him. And so again, if we were shepherds and we would have tried to stay at that manger scene, well, time just wouldn't permit it. We, we couldn't stay with Jesus, not visibly, which I guess causes us to ask that question again. Can, can you really make Christmas last? I mean, how many of you have ever seen Jesus? 
So is Christmas then at best just a one-day celebration, maybe drawn into a few days later, and then we just go back to the same old life and, and try to look for a little joy here and there until finally maybe one day we can celebrate and be in Jesus' presence? I have good news for you. Jesus is very much with us today. And I'm not speaking metaphorically. I'm not speaking figuratively. I'm not speaking, oh, and spirit will remember him. No, in his very real presence as the king of kings, he is with us even now. If you remember, when Jesus left, he swore to us, I will not leave you as orphans. Those were his last words before he died and rose again in fulfillment of Christmas. And so we seek him still today. Just as the saying goes, wise men still seek him. And where do we find Jesus in his real presence for us? Here's the good news. Jesus is the word, right? John 1.14 says the word was with God and the word was God. And John 1.14 says that word became flesh. That word became flesh. But that word, that revelation of God, is now in a book. It's called the Bible, isn't it? And, and when you feel like you couldn't be further from that joy of Christmas, guess where Jesus calls us to? Not, not a manger, but his holy, precious word. And the real Jesus comes to us in his real word and says, I am with you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I won't leave you as orphans. Jesus comes to us in his precious word and promises. You come to me, all you are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Friends, that's the essence of Christmas. Praise God. That word of his promise, his very real presence is, is with you to this day and is with you always whenever you open the book or think of a passage. God is there. Christ is speaking. And one day when we have that second Christmas, the greatest Christmas of all, we'll see that it was all true. And so where is Christ? Where is Christmas today? It's in his book. It's in his word. But more good news. It's not just there, is it? When you first came into relationship with Christ, where did you meet him? As real as the shepherds going to that manger, it was in that font, or one like it. In the waters of baptism, in Romans 6, the Apostle Paul says, guess what happened there? You met and you encountered the living Christ who once was crucified, and you were also crucified there. Not metaphorically, not figuratively, you were connected to Christ crucified so that all the pain, all the suffering, all the sin could be dealt with and done away with. And so that just as Jesus rose, you were connected to that, you too have been given a new and holy life. If you ever long for Jesus and want to have Christmas, think of your baptism. Because that's where Christ met you, claimed you, and swears to you, I will never let you go. Just as beautiful 
whenever you long to have Christmas, come here at this chancel step. Uh, Not just for a children's sermon to hear the word of God, but even more so to tangibly take and eat the body of Christ. When he said, this bread is my body and this this wine is, is my blood, he wasn't saying this is symbolic. It makes you think about it. He was saying, I'm with you to the very end, in my very real presence, so that you never feel alone, so that you know that this great gift means all the greatest gifts of God are coming. It's beautiful, isn't it? It kind of makes me, I do feel this way sometimes after church, after a service, that you just like to come up to the chancel step and just lay down and just stay right here around the means of grace, the word and sacraments, and not ever leave. I mean, why would you want to go back into the hard, dark world especially as cold as it's been. Why not stay here? I mean, if we could just stay in these four walls where Christ is and he promises where two or three come together in my name, there I am. He wasn't kidding. Why would we ever want to go? And here's Christmas. And it's here every time God's people gather. Well, if it weren't for one other truth, how Christmas remains, I suppose we would just stay inside and and we'd be happy to be in the presence of God. But just as Jesus was on a mission from the manger to a cross and beyond the grave to win us to himself, so too he has given you and me a mission. It is literally to share Christmas, to bring the presence of God to other people and see in others in their need Jesus, who came at Christmas, whom we can serve. Thinking of a passage from Matthew, chapter 25. And this is why we don't remain at church just around the means of grace, but we take the means, the beauty of Jesus and his gospel, his grace to the world. On the last day, on the greatest Christmas of all, when Christ comes again, Jesus will speak to you and me, his people. And when we'll talk about how we served him, We have that question, we'll ask him, Lord, when did we see you? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? I I thought that was just at Christmas and in Bethlehem 2,000 years before. Lord, when we looked for you, where, where did we find you? Jesus will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. It reminds me of a story of Max Lucado in, in one of his works called Incredible Moments. He just reflects on Christ, come to us. There, there was an old man, and it was just right after Christmas. It was, it was a rough year. No, no gifts to find under a tree. He was a widower, and his family, his friends, they, they couldn't be around that year. He suffered through the holidays, and he just slumped into a deep and dark depression, one that he had never really experienced before. And he hated the thought of Christmas, and he became one of those grumpy old men. And for months, he kind of lived that way, but he loved Jesus, and he knew something wasn't right, so he went to his pastor to say, why am I so angry and so bitter? Why do I not want to live anymore? I'm starting to wonder, 
Could God even love me anymore? I mean, I just, I hate everything. I mean, did, did I sin, Pastor? What have I done wrong that, that I feel this way? And, and the pastor encourages me, like, you, you've experienced a lot of loss. And this is a sin-broken world. But then the pastor did say, and, and I guess, yeah, I'm, though God isn't punishing you, you are guilty of sin. <laughs> and the guy was like, what? You're supposed to make me feel better about myself. And you're, you're saying I'm guilty of sin? He's like, sin of ignorance. You act as if God is not with you. As if God is not at work in this world. As if God hasn't disguised himself in one of your neighbors even. And that really stuck with this, this man that was depressed. He was he said, like, what, what do you mean God has disguised himself in one of my neighbors? He said, yeah, go and see. Go live your life and look for Jesus, and, and I guarantee you will find him. Because that's what he said in his word. So the man left with some kind of renewed zeal and trying to claim life again. And, and so he, he went around. Of course, he was disappointed a little bit. He was like, Christ is, is disguised in my neighbor. It can't be that, that old, crouching old man across the Oh, that's like me. Uh, but Jesus can't be in that neighbor. And he surely can't be in my cousin Mary. She just talks her ear off. She just never wants to, you know, really have this engaging conversation. Can't be my cousin. And it can't be that little brat that comes around. He's always looking to shovel when there's no snow and, and gain some money. So can't be that little guy. But as he drove around town... You notice the police officer that was helping the kids across the street? He said, you know, I wonder if that's Jesus. Is, is this guy's there? And then he saw the grocer at the grocery store helping an old lady put all her groceries into a, a van and said, you know, that's something that seems like God would do. And then he came back home and went for a walk and a neighbor down the street just greeted him, smiled at him, noticed him. And he was wondering, is that Jesus? And then it clicked. It clicked for him. According to Scripture, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And how many good gifts do we have, even if we feel like we're without? Friends, that's Jesus' real presence. Working through non-believers and believers alike but the cool thing about being a believer and knowing Christmas and the joy that we're spreading even to this day is, is we get to participate with God and his goodness. That's that restored image. We are the hands and feet of Christ. And when others serve us, they're serving their Lord and Savior because we do all things in his name. And that changes everything. And, and so, friends, how do we make Christmas last. It's, well, wherever we find Christ. And today we see he's very much with us. Even as he reigns over all things invisibly and through our hearts especially, we find him in the word and in our baptism and in the Lord's Supper. We find him in this place where two or three gather together. And when we go out of the world, we, we embody the love of God in Christ and anyone in need, it's like serving the babe in Bethlehem. So tell me, where is Jesus not? <laughs> where is the joy of Christmas not? Friends, that's the real meaning of Christmas, isn't it? I pray it finds you well today.
And if Christmas doesn't have the joy that it used to, I pray this message of God made flesh renews that once again until finally we experience the presence of God in every way when Christ comes again. God bless your Christmas celebrations today. Live that life of love and joy for Christ is with us. And every day is Christmas. Amen.